Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. So I want to start off with a question for all of us to think through and maybe participate in if you're brave enough. Uh, Have you ever faced a giant-sized problem? Everyone, thank you. If you haven't, um, I will question your humanity after service. Uh, we've, we've all faced a giant-sized problem. Now, what is a giant-sized problem? This is one of those problems that really stops us in our tracks. We could say it would take the wind out of our sails. Like, we had a plan for our lives, maybe for our day, and we all know what it's like to navigate little problems, but... There are moments in our life where we come face-to-face with a giant-sized problem. A giant-sized problem may be in our career. So you anticipated your career to be the job that you would stay at and and retire with, and, and then it didn't turn out that way. Maybe circumstances beyond your control, you were let go. A giant-sized problem in a relationship. You said, I do. The person said, I do, but they didn't. And there was trust broken and there was betrayal. A giant-sized problem with your children where they share news with you that is just earth-shattering that you didn't expect. What do we do when a giant shows up in our lives? Because here's what I know, and you know it's true as well. Today, there's three groups of people. There's a group that are facing giants currently. Like right now, you don't have to think too hard about the giant that you, it's there for you. Like this is a moment to be refreshed and be in the presence of God. But that giant, like it came with you and it's gonna be with you in your car. It's a relationship, it's career, it's your health, it's your finances, it's the vision for the, for the future. So you're facing a giant. For others, you just got done fighting a giant. Like the problem has seemed to be resolved and you're breathing heavy and that's awesome. We're jealous of you. And then there's others who you haven't just finished facing a giant. You're not facing one right now, but there's a giant coming because it's inevitable because that's life. Life is filled with giant-sized problems. Now, here's where I want to draw a definition for what a giant problem does in our lives versus maybe like a, a regular, we all go through problems, it's inevitable. Here's what a giant does. A giant will challenge your identity. That's how you can know if the problem you're facing is a giant problem or a problem you could say, okay, we, we're going to figure this out. We saved for this. I expected this. What do I mean by that? A giant-sized problem will begin to lie to you about your worth and your value and make you question who you are. It's when we start to confuse what we do with who we are. So a giant shows up in the career area of our lives, and suddenly we're doubting who we even are anymore. Parents, Your children share something with you that you never expected. It's a giant-sized problem. And your thought is, am I a good parent? 
Well, what's that doing? It's attacking the identity. It's going after who you are, your worth and your value. Can I share about a giant that I faced personally and that our church faced last year? If you don't say yes, I'm not going to do it. I'll skip this page. Thank you. All right. So we're portable right now. This is, this is portable. We set this up. We're Tabernacle Church. The curtains come up and the curtains go down every Sunday. Uh, we have a building about three miles from here. And also we have a vision to see a brand new life-giving building built in this community. Do you believe that? As we're, we're, we're heading there. But we're portable. We've been portable for over a year and a half now. If you were with us last January, January 21, we became a portable church at a different venue, not this location. And we were prepared to be at that venue for one year. We outfitted that venue with our system. And while we prepared to be there for a year, it was only two weeks into being there that the venue told us, you can't meet here any longer. Do you know what that was? It was a giant size problem for me and our team. Do you know how I know it was giant-sized? I mean, I, I could believe in my heart God will provide another space, which he did. But you know what I thought that Monday when I got that email? You're not a good leader. You should have seen this coming. You just brought the church from this building to this location and invested money and cast vision, and you dropped the ball. Because a giant will lie to us about our identity. And it'll cause us to believe things that aren't true. So today, as we continue our series, Strong Tower, we are going to discover a name of God that we need to know when the giant shows up. Because the giant's going to show up in our lives. Here's our theme verse, and I'm going to invite you to say it. It'll be on the screen. Proverbs 18, verse 10. Let's say it together. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. This month, we're talking about the name of the Lord, that his name is a strong tower. And last week, we discovered that every other name we could run to is not a strong tower. It's a house of cards. And I'm telling you, if you're running to a different name and a giant problem shows up, that house is going to come crumbling down. So we learned last week that the singular name that God gives us to define himself, he gave to Moses when Moses asked, what's your name? And God said, the Hebrew is eh, yeah meaning I will be. And we just, we landed there last week. God telling us, I will be. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever the moment in life, God will be. Exodus chapter three. Well, today we are gonna focus in on one name of God that we need to know when the giant problem shows up. And to do that, we are gonna look at a very famous story in scripture called David and Goliath. Who's ever heard of David and Goliath before? Go ahead, raise your hand if you've heard it. Yeah, many of us in this space. So I was telling my son, Nathaniel, he's eight years old, that I was going to be preaching on David and Goliath. And he asked me to do something while I was up here. He said, Dad, can you make sure that, that everyone knows this is my favorite Bible story? And I, yes, I, so I did my part as his father, okay? So if you see him later, he's in Blaze Kids right now. You said, hey, we talked about your favorite Bible story. But I mean, who doesn't like this? especially an eight-year-old boy. So spoiler alert, if you don't know how this story goes, the giant loses, okay? The shepherd boy takes on the giant. But we're gonna read through it together. It's found in 1 Samuel 17. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to turn there, encourage you to bring your Bible. But if you didn't bring your Bible with you, it'll be on the screen today for you to follow along. Here's how it starts. A champion named Goliath 
who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. And it says that his height was six cubits and a span. We need to understand some things here. Because I don't know how many of you, when you're hanging up picture frames, you're like, hey, honey, can you move it over one cubit? I just need it a little, a little more straight. So let's talk about that in a minute. Let me give you some background. The Israelites are going against the Philistines. The Israelites are God's chosen people, and they are in the promised land. They've crossed through the Red Sea. They've gone through Jericho. And now they are under a king named Saul, and they are facing one of their fiercest competitors, the Philistines. And rather than the entire Israelite army and the entire Philistine army charge at each other for Sparta, like a 300 scene, instead they say, let's each choose a champion. Let's send one person out as a representative and whoever wins, they win for the whole army. So the Philistines have Goliath, who is called not a giant, but a champion. So when we read that six cubits and a span, they would measure a cubit. So this might bore some of you, but intrigue others. But stay with me for a second. A cubit was pretty much from the elbow to the middle fingertip, roughly 18 inches. But our arms are all different, aren't they? And a span would be from the palm up. So there is debate whether Goliath was, in fact, over nine feet or, according to the Dead Sea Scrolls, over six feet. Regardless of his height, what we have in front of us is a giant-sized problem. Yes? This is a big problem because he is a champion, which speaks to his ability in warfare to continue to win. Now, what we do know from further reading in the text is that Goliath's armor indicates dude's jacked. His, his bronze breastplate weighed 125 pounds. You've got to be lifting a lot to rock a 125 weighted vest. That's, that's, that's a lot. And he's carrying out his spear, and he's got a dude carrying his shield for him. So I just want you to not get hung up in the details and the debate. Oh, really? We're, we're telling a Bible story of some giant. This is a giant-sized problem. So here's what he says. Notice, because giant-sized problems, what do they attack? You got to know the word. It attacks our what? Identity. Look at what he says. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not, would you read this part with me? The servants of Saul, remember that. Choose a man and have him come down to me. I love it. He's taunting. He's like, why are you even lining up? There's no chance. I am a Philistine. And you, he speaks to their identity, are, are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, have him come down. Verse 9, if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, he will become our subjects and serve us. So there's the terms of the battle. One-on-one, -on -one, whoever wins, the other team loses, and they become servants. Verse 10, then the Philistine says, this day, read this with me, I defy the armies of Israel. Again, remember his words. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Verse 11, how do they respond? Well, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were, say it together, dismayed and terrified. 
What a great response for an army. How are you feeling today, dismayed and terrified? Anybody say that's kind of how we feel at times in life when a giant problem shows up? A little dismayed? A little brokenhearted? A little terrified? What do we do next? Here's Goliath's attack. Because at this time, he hasn't swung a spear or a sword. He's done worse. Because a giant will always attack your identity. What was his declaration in two lines? Are you not the servants of Saul, and I defy the armies of Israel? It's his attack. It is his lie. He is redefining the identity of the Israelite people in this moment. He is redefining who they are. Aren't you the servants of Saul? I defy the armies of Israel. Now, if you are familiar at all with the Jewish people's history, when God called them, he didn't call them to be the Israelites. He called them to be mine. You are my people. You were once far from me, but now you belong to me. You are my servants. Sure, they had a king, but their true identity was they belonged to him. And here the giant attacks them and says, are you not the servants of Saul? We've got to understand this. When a giant problem shows up in our life, the number one tool is deception. It is lying. If the giant problem can cause us to forget who we are before we even take to the battle line, guess what? We've lost. You're already dismayed and terrified. And the Israelites are living proof of this. And it's not just going to be one time because a lie takes some time to get rooted in our hearts. So it says in the next verse, for 40 days, the Philistines came, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Could you imagine for 40 days to have the same lie on repeat in your life? You don't have to imagine that. We live in a culture where the lie is on repeat every single day. An attack on identity, on who you are, on your purpose, that you were created to know God and find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. That is not on repeat when we step out. It's just not. We come into this space and we are refreshed. But guys, at most an hour a week. That's why small groups matter. I need more than an hour a week. I need community. Because the lie for 40 days, no, 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 no. Every day. Every day I'm bombarded with the lie and attack on identity. So now we're going to meet someone who hears the lie but doesn't believe the lie. Let's go to verse 17. Now Jesse said to his son David. Everyone say David. 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 Any Davids here this morning? We just said your name. That's pretty cool. No? Maybe in the next service. Take this ephah of roasted grain. There's one in the back. I see that hand back there, Brother David. And these, amen. And these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp. So just notice David's not at the battle line, but rather he is home. And his father, Jesse, is now changing job descriptions for a day. 
hey, you've been taking care of the sheep, but I need you to go bring it to your brothers. Let's read the next verse. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit and see how your brothers are and then bring back some assurance from them. So Jesse has eight sons and his three oldest sons are on the battle line with King Saul and his youngest, David, is home taking care of the sheep. And Jesse says, I need to know how your brothers are. They haven't posted on Instagram in a while. I have no idea how they're doing. Um, Let's change your job description. Instead of being a shepherd boy, you're gonna be the first Domino's delivery boy. You're going to bring some cheesy bread with you. And, and we're going to get you out there. You'll, you get, thank you for the pity laughter there. I thought it was hilarious in my head. <laughs> thank you. And he, you're going to get out there and deliver some bread and some cheeses. And then just let me know, like bring back some assurance. Meaning I'm sure it's going great, but just let me know. Like assure me of how this is going. And so he goes and he meets up with his brothers And it says, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David, what? Heard it. He heard the lie. He saw the giant-sized problem, and he heard the lie. This day I defy the armies of Israel. Are you not the servants of Saul? Send me someone to fight. He hears it. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So David shows up, hears and sees the giant-sized problem, and then sees the Israelites running away in great fear. And David does not run. David speaks, and what he speaks is truth. Because the way to combat a lie is with truth. The way that Jesus combated the lie of the enemy in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 when he was tempted was with the word of God, which is truth. So David, this young shepherd boy that scholars believe could not be beyond 16 years of age, declares truth. Now, before we read it, it's weird and uncomfortable, and it's going to be weird and uncomfortable for about three minutes, but if you'll let me explain what he says, we'll get past the weirdness and see the truth in it. Deal? Okay. It's weird, and you said deal, so here it is. (laughs) David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So, I'm going to take a sip of water before this one. It's weird. What? is David doing? What is he saying in that statement? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What he's doing is he's making a theological statement that is lost on us, but was not lost on the Jewish people. 
but it seems it was lost on everybody but this young shepherd boy. When David declares, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, he is drawing a distinct separation between the Philistines and the Israelites. When God first appeared to Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, right? I'm one of them, and so are you. Thank you, Janie. I assure you, Blaze Kids, they are not singing that song today, okay? <laughs> but I grew up on it. When God first appeared to Father Abraham and met him there and made a covenant with him, Abraham was an idol worshiper, not living for God. And God said, I will be your God, and through you, I will bless the world. Well, how am I to know? There's going to be a sign of the covenant. There's going to be something that assures this covenant. And the sign that was given to Abraham was circumcision. I know what you're thinking. That stinks. I mean, Adam, when he left the garden, he got a new wardrobe from God. Noah got the rainbow for the sign. But Abraham's family, they get circumcision. And it's messy, and it's bloody, and it's gory, and it's private, and it's confusing, and it's intimate, and that is the point. Because they would mark themselves and cut off a piece so as to show your sin should cut you off from a holy God, but you are now marked as my people because my grace and my mercy has met you. May you not forget. Your sin is messy. Your sin is bloody. Your sin must be atoned for. And the people of Israel, this to them was a sign of the covenant a piece cut off so that they as a whole would be kept close to God. So when David says in uncircumcised Philistine, he looks at one who is not marked by God, who is not in covenant with God, and he draws a theological conclusion. I'm marked by him. I belong to him. I'm set apart. This guy's not. But we should ask, well, what about us? And just to calm your nerves, that's not in any way part of the growth track, everybody, okay? <laughs> It's not part of new members class here. It's just, what about us? Well, we too have been circumcised. And here's what Paul writes in the New Testament. Colossians 2, verse 11. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. The question then comes up, well, when was I circumcised by Christ? Christ underwent the sword on your behalf when he went to the cross. Christ was cut off from the Father when he declares, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And our sin was placed on him. The son was cut off so that you and I might be brought in. He underwent that for us. He suffered loss so that you and I, in him, might be found. And so David rejects the giant's lie by remembering what you and I need to remember today when the giant-sized problem shows up. Here it is. I belong to God. 
when the giant-sized problem will lie to you about your identity and your worth and you feel like a failure as a parent, as a son, as an employee, as an employer, as a friend, in any area of life when you feel like my worth and my value is now jeopardized, I don't know who I am anymore. And the lie comes in. You hear it and you reject it by speaking the truth. I belong to God. I have been circumcised with Christ. Go ahead, you voice that one out loud and see if people don't think you're crazy. What, even what? I belong to God. Doesn't matter what I'm facing. Doesn't matter the size of this problem. The gospel declares I belong to him. And for some reason, an entire army forgot the truth because the lie was on repeat. But one remembered and one declared it. And one knew their identity. And so David decides, I'm taking this guy down. I know who I am. He says in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. What David now voices to the king of Israel, who should have been the one to step out for his people, he voices, I'll go. Now notice, David sees the same thing that they all see, but he sees it differently. Do you know what that's called? Perspective. It's the same giant-sized problem, but his perspective is different because of the truth in his heart. Here's a good definition of perspective. Perspective is never just what you see. Perspective is how you view what you see. Have you, have you seen this before? You and someone are facing maybe a similar giant-sized problem, but you're looking and saying, how is that person still filled with such faith and confidence in the Lord? How is their joy still there? How do they even get up in the morning? Or maybe you are that to someone. Same giant-sized problem, but a perspective is different because the truth of God's word does that in our hearts. John Maxwell says, he saw Goliath not as a threat too big to hit, but as a target too big to miss. It's like the rest of you see this guy as how are we going to take that down? And I see him as there's no way I can miss. <laughs> I've done this before with lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, this is easy. Why was it easy? Because he knew who he belonged to, but he also knew a second truth. Because today and any day at Blaze Church, it is, what word is best? Not just a passion, but almost it's an obligation of our preaching team. It is, it is, I would say it's sin if we don't. We don't preach motivational messages here. I'm sorry, I love to inspire you. I just know that I'm not an inspirational speaker and no one on our team will be. We are invitational speakers. We invite to come to the Father. You can get self-help books anywhere. Scripture tells us you should be cut off from Christ, but you're not because he was cut off for you. It tells us that in our weakness, he is stronger. So today is not be like David. You can do this. We need to see what David declares. So Saul is rightfully worried about this boy stepping out against the champion. And so Saul dressed him in his own tunic. Verse 38, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and he tried walking around. You remember Junior Asparagus? Remember he just flopped over in veggie tails? He just, I can't do this. Because he was not used to them. 
And he says, I cannot go in these. And he said to Saul, because I'm just not used to them. So he took him off. David's walking out in the identity that he knows. And he goes and he gets five smooth stones and he gets his shepherd's staff and he gets his slingshot. But it's not what's in his hand that matters. It's what's in his heart. It's the truth he knows. And he declares it to Goliath. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you, let's say it together, in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel. Let me remind you, we are, not, we are not here under Saul's leadership. This is not who we are. We are coming in the name of the Lord whom you have defied. And here is the name that is given in Hebrew as David speaks the truth. It is Jehovah Sabah, the Lord, our warrior. On the days where you feel like I can't go up against the giant today, the Lord, our warrior. I can't fight anymore. The Lord, our warrior. What's in my hand is not enough. The Lord, our warrior. And he says, notice David's closing declaration. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for what? Let's say it together like we're on the line with Israel. Come on. For the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. David is not stepping out thinking, if I take this guy down, the amount of followers I'm going to get on my page. I'm going to be an influencer. I'm going to have something to tell people about the David show. No. The Lord, our warrior. The battle is belongs to God. We need to remember, I belong to God, and the battle belongs to God. And when the giant problem shows up and begins to lie and attack our identity, it is these truths together. Because if you just know, oh, I belong to God, I got this, I got it, man. No, no, that's pride. And pride comes before a fall. It's arrogance. I belong to him. And this belongs to him. The Lord, our warrior. See, we are called to be different. We are not called to shrink back in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And we are not called to be filled with pride. You ever meet a proud Christian before? Yeah, you don't like those people, do you? Don't be those people, that's not how we fight. Paul writes this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We don't fight like the world fights, guys. We don't fight that way. We don't get involved that way. When the rest of the world complains, we praise our God. When the rest of your company is losing hope, you pray first to your God. I know it's different, but we hear the same lie on repeat all the time. So we're used to, oh, you're not going to take my rights away. Oh, no, I'm going to take my stand. And we forget that our Savior had his rights removed. 
and that he embraced humility and washed the feet of those who would turn him over and abandon him. We don't fight the same way because we have a true and better David. We have Jesus. We are children of God. And any giant-sized problem that we face, we know the battle belongs to you. Christ secured for us the victory on the cross over sin. Will he not secure the victory for you today? Trust him. Trust him. I'm going in for a pass, bro. Hit me. That was a good, good throw right in the face. I wanted to replay 2012. You, you know. Here, here, was that 12 or 8? Oh, we just keep winning. You know, we just keep doing it. So here, here's what I believe we need to do today. One, I'm asking everybody, 425 to pray for the Giants. That's first. Thank you. Secondly, I found in my life that the reason why the giant-sized problem shows up in lies, and that's not the issue, but that I believe the lie is because I hold on to this. I don't hand off the ball. I, I don't just trust the Lord. I, I don't, I run the plays. I call the shots. The problem shows up and I strategize and I worry and I think, how am I going to do this? And all the time, the best quarterback is saying, would you hand me the ball and let me run the play? Because you belong to me. I don't belong to you. <laughs> let me unpack that for a moment. Has your prayer time ever looked like, God, do this for me? God, not your will, but my will be done. That's how I pray a lot. And I forget, wait, I belong to you. And the battle belongs to you. And you've called me friend. And you've called me yours. And your son was cut off for me to come close. So I'm going to hand off the ball and trust in you. Romans 8.31 what then shall we say to these things? These things being any giant-sized problem. If God is for us, who can be against us? Here's what we'll say. You're the same God. You are the same God that did it for David. You are the same God that did it for Moses and for Mary and for Abraham. You are the same God. Do you believe today that the God who was then is now? If you believe it, can you shout praise to him? Give him a good hand clap of praise. Yes, you're the same God. And I'm trusting in you as the strong tower. And so my hope for you today is as you face the giant-sized problem, you don't think, I've got this. You think, he's got it. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to honor his word. I'm going to live out his principles. While the rest of the world's going that way, I'm going to go this way. In my finances, in my time, in my trust, in my relationships, in my words, in my thought patterns, I belong to the Lord. Can we say that together? I belong to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me and we're going to respond in a declaration of worship this morning. We're going to sing out a song that is going to stir our hearts and remind us of the truth that we've read today, that we do in fact belong to him. I want to pray for you and for me that we would learn 
to hand it off, to trust the Lord. Some of you here are facing a giant-sized problem that I can't relate to. I can't imagine. You're facing grief and loss. There is confusion and worry. There are lies that are telling you you're no good. You're alone. You've been forgotten. And I want to pray that today you would remember the truth that if you have called on the name of the Lord, you belong to him. Your sins forgiven, your past erased, your identity, John 1, 12, child of God. And the battle that you face belongs to him. He's got this. Would you bow your heads with me? And as a sign of dependence this morning, as an act of God, here I am calling on your name. Would you raise your hand high with me this morning? If you're saying, I want to call on the name of the Lord. I want to, as David stepped out and say, no, that is an unmarked problem. That has not been marked by God. I am belonging to him and I am walking in that. God, we declare this morning with our hands raised to you that we are trusting in you, that you are the same God that David called on and said, Jehovah Sabah, the Lord our warrior. And God, you know and see every giant-sized problem that is represented in this space and online, and your name is the strong tower that we run to. God, I pray that today, in just these 35 minutes, that the truth of your word would begin to unearth the lie that has been on repeat in our lives, the lie that we hear in culture, the lie that we see in media, the lie that our friends may speak of, the lie from the enemy that it would be unearthed today in Jesus' name, that we would declare the truth of your word. No, I am a child of God. He has the best plan for me, and it may not make sense in this moment, but I trust him because I belong to the Lord and the battle belongs to the Lord. May faith rise up in us today. You are the same God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's clap for our God, whose name is the Lord, our warrior.